ahead and open to the book of Philippians. That's where, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, you've noticed that's what we're doing this summer. Um, And if you are just joining us for the first time today, welcome. Glad that you're here. This is what we do on Sunday. We sing together. We don't always commission a new pastor. That's kind of a unique thing. Um, but, But we open up the Word. I try to help us as I've worked through the week to try to understand it. I want to communicate the truth of God's Word and how it applies to us on Sunday morning. So um, open up to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at the end of that here in just a moment. What we've seen so far is that the book of Philippians, we call it a book, it's actually a letter that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the church in Philippi. And one thing we've noticed about this is that it's pretty warm and personal. It's not this cold, like, I don't know anything about you. It's, it's people that he had gotten to know and grown to love very much. You might remember that the church in Philippi was started by Paul and Timothy. And so they spent some time there with them until they were imprisoned, released, and then run out of town. And it's been about 10 years now, we, we expect. And now, Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And he's writing this letter back to the church that he loves in Philippi, having not been there for about 10 years. All throughout the book, Paul has used a lot of family language. That's how he sees the church generally, and that's how he speaks to the church in Philippi, like their family. So he uses a lot of family language. And there's repeated commands in the book, we've noticed, to rejoice. And he keeps calling them to press on through suffering, through opposition. And this call to live a gospel-worthy life, right? That, that in light of what Christ has done for us, we're to live in a certain way. Unity with one another, on mission together, humble, servant-hearted obedience like that of Jesus, who is a servant and who is our exalted Lord. So that's what we've been walking through. Last week we saw just him highlighting this kind of God's work and our work. That, that we continue to work, Paul continues to work, the church in Philippi continues to work, and all the while, God is at work both in and through them. And one of the ways that God is at work in and through and for His church is just by providing the right people at the right time. Now this is a passage in Philippians that might be one if you're reading through the book, you're going to like, oh, these are some of my favorite verses here and favorite verses here. And this is a part you might just kind of like read through a little more quickly. Like, oh, okay. But, but I love slowing down and looking at this section, chapter 2, verses 19 to 30, because there we see how God is providing His church with just the right people at just the right time to accomplish His gospel mission. God's provision and God's timing. And I think it's extremely applicable for us, uh, in part on the day that we kind of commissioned Pastor Nick to pastoral ministry, but also for us to just pause and recognize that since 1983, that's what God's been doing in this church. He didn't just do it in the first century in Philippi, but here in the 20th and 21st centuries in Iowa Falls, Iowa, God has been providing the right people at the right time for Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church to continue on our gospel mission. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to do something. So, we usually stand when we read Scripture. We're going to do that here in a moment, but we're going to have you stand in two different sections. So, the first section of people I want to stand up are, you don't do it quite yet, I'll tell you when. Um, so, so I'm just, just easy dividing point for me 
is we came here, we started, my family uh, started in January of 2013, okay? Some of you, this had already been your church a long time before that, and some of you have come since that time. And so I would love for those of you that this was your church prior to January 2013, would you go ahead and stand first? Like this was your church prior to January of 2013, okay? Excellent. So that's that's, that's a number of people who have been with this church, I would say then for a, a good portion of the church's history, some of you for a very long portion of the church's history, and you have gotten to see, these people have seen more than the rest of us, how God has provided the right people at the right time to provide for his church to continue on gospel mission, right? Um, but then there's others who part of God's provision is the church doesn't look the same as it did even less than 10 years ago, right, in 2013. And so part of God's provision for the church is other people. Again, the right people at the right time that the church might continue to advance God's gospel mission. So if that's the rest of you, like if you're here today, go ahead and stand if you're able. And then we'll just kind of together read God's word where we'll see God providing just the right people at just the right time in order that the gospel mission might be continued. Let's pray and then we'll read God's word. Father, I'm grateful even just now to look and to see the ways that you provide the right people at the right time. Even thinking of of people that have sacrificed much uh, in order to build uh, this church up in all sorts of different ways who are now uh, gone in one way or another. And so, God, I thank you, though, for your constant provision because of your uh, rich resources and because of your love for your church that you continue to provide for us. And so we're thankful for that. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to hear and, and see clearly what your word has has for the church in Philippi or had for the church in Philippi and then has for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read Philippians chapter 2. I'll begin in verse 19, going to the end of the chapter. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Amen. You can be seated. All right, in your bulletin, uh, again, a sermon notes page for you if that's helpful to follow along with an outline, to take some notes, uh, maybe to go back to later, maybe just to keep you awake uh, while we're doing this. I'm not sure how you use those, but uh, that's what that's there for. So point number one is this, God's provision 
in God's timing. Remember that there was a personal, personal connection between Paul and Timothy in the church in Philippi. I just talked about that before I read the passage, right? That they knew each other, and you can tell from reading the earlier part of Philippians that Paul loved the church there, and the love seems to be mutual, right? That the church in Philippi loved Paul and Timothy, and Paul and Timothy loved the church in Philippi, but the situation at this point is Paul and Timothy are in Rome and imprisoned there, Paul is, And they are in Philippi, and a lot of miles separate the two of them. Yet, we go ahead and look at verses 19 uh, and following, and we see this. It says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to to, to you soon. Right? So, what I think the church in Philippi pretty clearly wants, and what Paul hopes to be able to do, is to have Timothy, who's right now with him, Go and be with them, right? I hope in the Lord, Jesus, to send Timothy to you soon. Why does Paul want to send Timothy to them soon? Well, there's a so that. So that I too may be cheered by news of you, right? Paul loves hearing news of what's happening in Philippi. His assumption is if I send Timothy to you, he'll be there for a time. He'll come back and I can hear really good news about what God is doing there, right? Verse 20. For I have no one like him. Here's some more reasons that Paul would love to send Timothy. Why would it be good for the church in Philippi to have Timothy come? For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Isn't that, wouldn't you love somebody to say that about you? Like, hey, I'm going to send this guy because I don't know anybody else who's going to love you as well as that guy. I, I know. So, of course, the church in Philippi, they want, they want Timothy to come. Timothy will love them well, and Paul, like, I'd love to send him. There's nobody else who I can think of who would be more concerned for your welfare. Why is that? Notice verse 21, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Remember, we talked about that back earlier in chapter 2. Naturally, what do we all do? We all look out for number one ourselves. We look to our own interests, not to the interests of others. But Paul is holding up Timothy as another example. First he held up Jesus. Certainly we've seen Paul as an example. Now Paul is holding up Timothy as an example to the church and saying, listen, he doesn't care about his own interests. He he cares about whatever Jesus wants done. Okay, So I would love, he's going to love you better than anybody else, and he cares about what Jesus wants to have done. That's what Timothy cares about. And then Paul acknowledges this special relationship that he has with Timothy, verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Remember, they worked together. So, so the church in Philippi saw Paul and Timothy working together, and he reminds them of that. You know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul and Timothy had this special relationship. There was an age gap there. And so Paul was in many ways like a spiritual father to Timothy whose own dad was not a believer, right? So, so Paul, kind of like a spiritual father to Timothy, and Timothy just acknowledging, or Paul acknowledging to the church in Philippi, remember he was like a, a, like a son to me, and I was like a, a father to him. And then he says this in verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as, as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So 
if it'd be good for the church in Philippi if Timothy came, and Timothy would do a great job of ministering to them, why isn't he sending him? I mean, Paul starts, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send him to you soon, but not yet. And why is the not yet? Because Paul needs him. We don't know exactly what Paul's need is, but Timothy is there with Paul, and because he's just a humble, obedient, servant-hearted man, his role right there in Rome is to be serving Paul right now. And so Paul's just honest with the church. Presumably, because of what we read later, stuff isn't always going great for Paul. That's what he talks about, adding sorrow upon sorrow. Paul's having a tough time, and I love that Paul is mature enough in Christ that he's not like, hey, I'll be fine. I'm an apostle, right? That, that's not it. Paul's like, I need Timothy right here. I, I'm not ready to send him away from me until I see how things turn out for me, right? I love the humility of Paul, and I love the humility of Timothy. A guy who's willing to say, like, well, wherever I'm needed. I love the people in Philippi, but Paul, if you need me here, I'm staying here. Paul and Timothy both seeming to desire to go to the church in Philippi. It would be good for them. It would be good for the church in Philippi. Paul can't because he's imprisoned in Rome. And Timothy won't because he's committed to serving Paul until Paul sends him. I love this picture, right? All sorts of people in need, but God is providing the right people at the right time. God is going to provide. So God is providing for Paul, how? By keeping Timothy there with him. How is God going to provide for the church in Philippi? Well, we'll get to that here in a second, but I want to pause and just bring things to our day right now for a moment that we might give God thanks for his provision in his timing. Okay, uh, That little uh, kind of illustration where I had some of you stand up initially, um, was kind of, uh, I think, helpful for us to just get a quick visual. I got one this week before any of you all were in here, and I picked up this 2013 Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church directory and just went through it. Um, Some of you have grayer hair, some of you have less hair, right? Things have changed a little bit, um, including myself, right? Um, Some things have changed a little bit. I went through this, and I counted just up I just counted up 57 family units in the church family uh, when we did this directory in 2013. I also then went through it again, and here's what I found. Only 49% of them are still here. Okay? Now, some of them, uh, admittedly, at the end, like, I don't, I don't even think I really knew them. They just maybe visited a couple of weeks right around when we did the directory, so we put them in. So they never, you know, but, but generally, it, less than 50%. So 49% of those in this directory are still here. 30% have moved to a different location. 20% either died or left for some other reason. That's 29 families. Uh, and a family unit, you know, account could be like a whole family, could be one single person, but um, 29 of them that we did, we missed. Some of them like, oh, I don't know them. I didn't know them. I didn't know them. But some of them like, they were some of my best friends. That guy, he was my Sunday school teacher. She was my youth group leader. That person came alongside me when I was hurting, right? So, so that's part of the life in the church. There's people that we loved that were like family to us, and now, now they're gone, right? 
we get a little sense of why the church in Philippi would love to have Paul and Timothy back. Remember those guys? There's nobody like that guy, Timothy. And oh man, I miss that guy. I've been here for at least 10 years now. Now our church family has changed now. Uh, just quick count, we had 78 family units uh, and more have come and gone. But in the end, God has continued to provide the right people at the right time that the church might continue on his gospel mission. We kind of wonder as maybe one family moves out of the area, you're like, well, how are we going to do it without them? They were so, And then we continue to function, right? Because God continues to provide. The churches have pastors that have come. And maybe you've grown close personal relationships. Each pastor in this church has poured himself out for the sake of this church for a number of years. And then... And then they're gone. Well, how are we going to do it without him, right? There's lots of ways that we can think about that, but I think it's good to pause and give God thanks for his provision in his timing. God supplying his church all through the 40, 40? Almost 40 years of the church's existence, right? Faithful elders, servant leaders, Sunday school teachers, deacons, deaconesses, all those things. God continues to provide. Let's just give God thanks for that, right? Praise God for that. And then let's look back to the church in Philippi. Is God going to provide for them? Or is he just concerned about Paul because he's an apostle and, well, Paul's going to get what he needs and who cares about the church in Philippi? No. Paul loves the church in Philippi. God loves the church in Philippi and he's going to provide for them. What's the solution? Timothy needs to stay with Paul. Who's Who's going to Philippi? Look at verse 25. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Okay, some people think about naming their kids Timothy, but not a lot of people think of naming their kids Epaphroditus, right? But Epaphroditus is also another example we're going to have of a humble, servant-hearted, obedient disciple of Jesus. Listen to the way that Paul describes this brother. I love this. Five words to describe him, okay? Epaphroditus, my brother, so again, family language, and fellow worker, right? They're working together. Fellow soldier, they're in battle together. You could describe uh, people in your church family this way, couldn't you? People that you've grown to love. That's my brother right there. That's my fellow worker. That's my fellow soldier. We've gone through the battle together, right? And your messenger, very practically, that's one of his roles. He was just a messenger. Most likely what happened, as you kind of read, read, read between the lines here, most likely what happened is Epaphroditus was a part of the church in Philippi. And when they, had, when they knew that Paul and Timothy had need, Epaphroditus was the man who was sent as a messenger to Paul to give him what he needs. And now Paul is saying, I'm going to send him back. He was minister to my need. While he was here, he served me, and now I'm sending him back to you, right? So that's what Paul is about to do. And I love the love that Epaphroditus has for the church in Philippi. Look at verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill, right? That, that's his people back there in Philippi. It was good for him to, to be sent on this important mission to go bring some things to Paul and to Timothy. But he's been longing for them. He loves his church back home in Philippi. 
and he was actually distressed because they heard news that he was ill, and he, they probably haven't had an update. They don't know if he made it or not, right? So he just wants, like, they don't even know if I made it. Uh, so, so, so that's part of the desire that he has to go back, right? Verse 27, indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Right? So, so again, we don't know the whole context, but sometime in the course of Epaphroditus being sent from Philippi over to Rome, something happened. He became ill, so ill that he nearly died, yet he pressed on to do the work. He was ill and near death, it says, but God had mercy on him. He spared his life, and Paul's happy about that because Paul presumably is already having a tough time, and, and God had mercy on Paul by not taking away Epaphroditus, that Paul might not have sorrow upon sorrow. And then he says this in verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. I like that Paul adds that. I, I'm, I'm eager to send him to you. Because I think you're going to be so happy that this brother of yours who loves you so much, who almost died, he's going to come back. Uh, by the way, it's, it's most likely that the way that this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi got back to Philippi was through Epaphroditus, right? So as he goes back to, Epa- goes back to Philippi, he's going to bring the letter, right? They didn't have the Pony Express yet, right? Amazon Prime wasn't a thing, Okay. So, so he's got to send this letter with him. And he wants them to rejoice. Paul also mentions, I'm also eager to send him because uh, it would make me less anxious. I don't know totally what that's about. Um, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, like having a guy who almost died right there next to him. Or, or being like, how is the church in Philippi doing? By sending this guy, it's going to make Paul less anxious. Right, either for Epaphroditus' health or for the health of the church in Philippi. We don't know. That's another motivation, though, for Paul to send him. And then a command. We don't see much command here in this passage, but we see one in verse 28. Verse 29, I'm sorry. Verse 29 says this. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Receive him in the Lord with all joy. I wonder if there's a little bit of like, I don't want Epaphroditus, who's made this trip all the way to Rome and makes it back. I don't want him to get home. And everybody was really hoping for Paul and Timothy. They're like, oh, it's Epaphroditus. I mean, we love him and stuff, but he's not, he's not Paul and Timothy. So Paul gives them this command. Receive him in the Lord with all joy. Right? This is a brother. And then he gives a reason for them to receive him with all joy and honor him. Verse 30, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Again, we don't know the details of what happened to Epaphroditus, but we know he got sick to the point of nearly dying, yet he pressed on that he could fulfill the mission that the church in Philippi had given to him. You need to get this to Paul and Timothy. And so, so he, for the sake of Christ, 
And the greater good of the universal church does the work that God calls him to do, even though he almost dies for it. And initially, when I, when I, when I would read through this and I memorized this, it's like, why, what does he say? Is he mad at the church in Philippi when he says, what was lacking in your service to me? He's not upset with them. He was just acknowledging like the thing that they wanted to do and they couldn't do was get what Paul and Timothy needed to them until this guy named Epaphroditus steps up. He steps up and he risks his life in order to do what the church in Philippi couldn't do, and that is get goods from the church there in Philippi to Paul and Timothy there in Rome. Epaphroditus, like Timothy, is a Christ-like servant who is humble and obedient even if it meant that he would die. And notice what Paul says. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And then he also says, and honor such men. When he gets there, it should be like a military hero who faces death and makes it home alive, receiving the purple heart, right? It's an honor bestowed on somebody who has has walked through, for the sake of others, has walked through uh, facing death in order just for the good of others. That's the kind of thing, and we honor people like that. And Paul's saying, honor such men. Epaphroditus risks his life for the sake of Christ. To be engaged for, for your good and for the sake of Christ, he risks his life. So when he gets there, don't get McDonald's, right? Get a steak. It's time for some kind of feast. It's time for some kind of way to honor this man as he comes back home. One quick kind of aside, thank you, I guess, uh, and then a closing gospel application. The quick aside thank you is just this. Thank you for receiving us with joy and honoring us. Just thinking of, of just my family and our time here so far, man, what, what a gift. If I just look at... Uh, how, how we have been received in this church, been received in the Lord uh, with joy. And you have honored us in so many ways. And we are grateful. You've honored us with kindness, with encouragement, with prayer, with a salary, with gifts at Christmas time and that Pastor Appreciation Month gift. Give vacation time to us. We're just uh, grateful. Uh, in so many ways. So, so uh, you know, whether, whether everybody was like memorizing this command, like, oh, we're going to obey that command, it's what you've done. As a church, you have done a great job of receiving me with joy and honoring us in lots of different ways. I think we can also look at this then and see, okay, so, so the church here called to receive with joy and honor certain people that we need to do a better job of that like with everybody, <laughs> with all different kinds of people, with our missions partners, right? They haven't been able to travel as much recently, but when they come to town, we should, they're risking their lives for the sake of the gospel. So, so we should honor them in some way. How, how can we do a better job of that? We just got to commission Pastor Nick to pastoral ministry. I hope, church, that you find ways to receive him in the Lord with all joy and to honor him and Jen as they Hopefully he doesn't nearly die uh, for the sake of Christ here, but maybe he will, right? Let's receive them in the Lord and 
honor them. You know, I've spent, uh, just they've been here a couple weeks now, and I've gotten to spend lots of hours with Pastor Nick uh, just in the last couple of weeks. And you know how sometimes you have a good first impression of people, and then you get to know them a little bit better, and you're like, huh, <laughs> it's not really exactly what I expected. Maybe they're a little annoying or, you know, whatever. That, that's not, the, Nick's like, oh, is he going to say that about me? No. Like, I've gotten to know this brother more in the hours that I've spent with him over the last couple weeks. And the kind of like, you know, the little bit that we knew when we called him to be our associate pastor, I have just seen godly character, uh, dependence on God in prayer, deep love for his people, and deep love for God that is really, really, really encouraging. Leadership ability, God, God has provided us at just the right time with just the right person that our church might continue on the gospel mission that God has given to us. So, church, receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. All right? All right. Then, a bit of gospel application because I don't want, you know, really here in this passage, do we see like the gospel super clear? Well, other than examples of people kind of giving themselves for the sake of others, we don't really see, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ highlighted here, but I saw it in this way. I saw it in this way, that we as adopted children of God have a father who provides for our needs. Listen to what it says in John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. In John chapter 1, it says this. But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Isn't that good news? (laughs) Whoever, Whoever receives Jesus is given the right to become children of God. And it's not something that we receive, like, so, so we can boast about it. Like, I'm in the family and you're not. Look what I did, right? We didn't earn our way into the family. Born not of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. This is who so many of us gathered today in this room are. This is who we are, right? We've been given the right to become children of God. We've been adopted into a family that we had no business being a part of except for the shed blood of Jesus, who in his grace and mercy gave his life, paid the price that we might be brought in. And if you have not yet received Jesus as Lord, then you're, you're, you're welcome to join with us, but you're not really a part of the family yet. And we would love to have you as a part of the family, not just by liking church, but by receiving Jesus as Lord, but by laying your sins at His feet, acknowledging that apart from Him, you deserve only God's just wrath, but that He has paid the price that you might be adopted as His own. And now the good news is, having been adopted as His own, we can call Him Father, and He's a Father who knows better. You might have had a great earthly father, maybe you didn't know your earthly father, maybe you had a horrible earthly father, but the good news about this Father who's adopted us is He's a Father who knows our needs and provides for us, right? That's what we see Him doing here in Philippians chapter 2. That's what we've seen Him do in our lives. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus says this, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Isn't it good, church, 
to have a father, to have been ad- adopted by a father who knows our needs individually and corporately as a church. And he always provides just the right thing and the right people at the right time in order that his people might continue on the gospel mission that he's given to us. That's good news. That's it. Let's pray. Father, I, I'm really thankful for that good news. Uh, thankful for this passage that, that um, yeah, just honestly, even as I've worked through Philippians before and stuff, I've just kind of skimmed by it and not paid much attention to it. But I thank you for the reminders today that you are a good Father who, who loves your church. And we want to be a church like the church in Philippi who, who loves and receives with joy and honors one another. We want to be like Paul. We want to be like Timothy. We want to be like Epaphroditus. And mostly we want to be like Jesus who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, and who has been highly exalted and who's, who's had the name bestowed on him that is above every name so that at his name every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, I thank you for who you are and who you've made us in Christ. May we be dependent on you, loving one another, caring for one another, as we seek to carry out the mission that you've given to us. Empowered by and equipped by your Holy Spirit, doing it together because we can't do it alone. Loving one another, even when it's hard. Help us to do that for the sake of your name. Amen.